title of my message this morning is National Security. National Security. If we ever needed security as a nation, we need it today. I know this nation has gone through a lot of things. It's gone through a lot of problems. And uh, God has showed up. Can you say amen to that? He showed up in a lot of ways in a lot of hard times. The only way that we can have God's blessings is if we ask for God's blessings. Because if the nation forgets God, Scripture says that nation will die. Because God is the author of life. Can you say amen to that? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 7. A strong nation, in order to be strong, in order to have a strong family, in order to have a strong nation, in order to have a strong state, a strong county, we must have strong individuals. I think way too many times we think about the masses when we need to get down to the individual person because God values each and every one of us as individuals. Who you are matters to God. When God blesses a nation, he blesses the people because of the nation, not the nation because of the people. <laughs> Charles Swindoll, he gave a, uh, in his, his book, Growing Deep in the Christian Life, he talks about a man who bought a bucket of fried chicken. Him and his date went off and they bought this. They was going to have a little date and they... They bought, bought a bucket of fried chicken and they go off to the, to the park and they, they, uh, they open up the bucket of chicken and in the bucket of the chicken was, was the day's income from the chicken place and that was what was supposed to go to the bank and they gave them the wrong bucket and there was $800 in the bucket. Well, the man, he's like, Mr. Clean, he gets up off there, picks up the blanket, goes back, and he gives the, gives the owner the bucket of money. And the owner was just, I mean, he was frantic because he didn't know what happened to it. He said, let me call the newspaper because I'm, I'm just, I just want to put your picture in the paper because we need more people like you. And the, and the man, he gets that guy, he brings him back over, and he says, hey, 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 I need to talk to you. And the guy's like, what? He said, well, he said, the woman that I'm with is actually married to somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> what do we have here? We have honesty without integrity. We lean, if we're not careful, on what we think we should be and who we think we should be instead of who God says we should be. And everybody's got an opinion about who they think they ought to be. We all do, right? Mr. Clean, 
It reminds me of the state of our American culture. We're full of so-called good, honest people, but we lack the moral integrity of conviction that's needed to make us strong as a nation. So what makes, what makes our nation insecure? It's a good question. Is it the lack of military power, uh, cyber attacks, the possibility of going to war today is, is in the news with Russia and Ukraine. Is it what makes us insecure? Is it, is it the illegal aliens coming over the border? Is it organized criminal groups such as the drug cartels? Or maybe it's natu natural disasters like floods and earthquakes and fires. Well... These would be the obvious practical answer that just regular people would answer that our world would give to describe national insecurity. However, I truly believe that God would have a much different answer if we would ask him. So in case you haven't noticed, our nation is on an, an accelerated slide away from biblical truth and moral, into moral depravity. He promised us that if we would bless him, that he would bless us. Anybody remember? Any old people? Do you remember the sexual revolution of the 1960s? I remember as a teenager, a young teenager, thinking, what kind of people are these going to be when they get big and they have, have kids? Now we know. <laughs> so some of those free love people have now become the leaders of our nation. Those old hippies, if you will, have been voted in office and now write hate crime legislation to bully believers who will not celebrate same-sex marriage, race riots, or defunding the police. Yeah. Reckless abandonment of moral principles in the word of God seem to be the norm for Americans today. You may have been asking, what will it take to make America strong again? Maybe you're asking, what will it take to make America great again? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No. I would just submit to you, all you hollering people out there, I would just humbly submit to you that they got the G wrong. I think it needs to be make America godly again. Yeah. Instead of make. The reason is, the reason is, is because America will never be great until it's godly. Yeah. We think we have all the answers, but only Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy. Only God knows all the answers to all the problems. We are not that smart. Yeah. I truly believe that the church, that God has ordained the church to be the only hope for America. That we as God-believing, God-fearing, God-honoring individuals 
have in us the hope for America. His name is Jesus. So greatness will never be achieved unless godliness is embraced. You might want to write that down. Greatness will never be achieved unless godliness is embraced. You and I are essential to our national security. You and I as followers of Christ are vital to our country's vitality. So let's take a look real quick today in Nehemiah about what restored Israel's national security. Nehemiah chapter 7. You know Nehemiah. He was the one that was in the presence of the king when all of the, all of the children of Israel were, were taken in captive because they had sinned against God and because they had, they had transgressed against God. And so God brought Israel discipline. By the way, that's what happens when you turn your back on God. God will love you enough to bring you discipline. That's what I did with my kids. Hopefully, that's what you do with your kids. That's what God does with his kids. He'll bring your discipline. And the reason is not because he wants to hurt you, but because he loves you. It's not like an abusive discipline. It's like a loving discipline because it says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Nehemiah chapter 7, as a result of their rebellion against God, the principles of his word, they were taken captive. And so what it says in Nehemiah 7, chapter, chapter 7, verse 1, now when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more, everybody say more. He was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. If you ever voted for a candidate, you thought, well, that's the best we got. That's the best we can do. I do that sometimes when I vote for the presidents. It's like, it's like, well, he's closer to God than the other guy. So if you're here today and you're going, what's he, what's he doing? I, I'm here to tell you who to vote for. That's why, that's the whole purpose of this whole <laughs> sermon is to tell you who to vote for. Because I'm not running for anything and I'm not running from anything. But we've got to vote for the most moral, biblical, principled candidates that there is out there. And whoever that is, that's who we need to vote for. Amen. He was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. So Nehemiah has rebuilt the wall for the protection of Jerusalem. Now he works to rebuild the people. It's one thing to build a wall. Walls don't do any good if you don't have people. They had returned from exile, which was a result of their turning away from God. Now listen to me. Nehemiah knew that the walls were not 
enough to secure the city of Jerusalem. More than anything else, the city needed godly people in it and over it in order to make it strong. So he appointed two faithful men that feared God to lead the people, Hananiah, for he was more faithful and God-fearing man than many. So what are the characteristics of men and women with moral integrity? The, number one, I would say faithfulness. Faithfulness. You know, it's one thing to be faithful to something, but it's another thing to be faithful to the right things. Some people are faithful to their addictions. Everybody is faithful to their own personal habits. That's why they call it a habit, is because you do it a lot. And what we choose to choose as a habit, that is what avenue we will take to live our lives and it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, God looks at our heart and he sees who we are and he blesses us according to our heart. And he blesses the heart of a nation. When we say in God we trust, it really doesn't do any good unless we actually do trust God. Words don't really mean that much to God unless there's a heart behind it faithfulness. Hebrews eleven six. 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him or to please God for he who comes to God, number one, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who do something. I put that in there. <laughs> He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him is what it says. In other words, we can't just sit down and cross our legs and sing kumbaya. Lord bless me. To bless he, he'll bless those who diligently seek him. So many have this is, many have overloaded the eternal side of security without embracing the faithful process of moral integrity to gain that security. Let me say this again. Many have overloaded, in other words, this, this, this term eternal security is a real popular term in churches today. And the reason is, is because it's attractive to us. And the reason it's attractive to people who really don't want to live for God is because they think that they can walk down the aisle and they say a prayer and then they get their, their uh, membership card in their hip pocket and they've got it made and that they can go out in the world and they can live like the devil, do anything they want because they are eternally secure. Let me tell you something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Many have overloaded the eternal side of security without embracing the faithful process. It's a process of moral integrity to gain that security. In other words, we must believe that he is. And if we truly believe that he is God, we will follow through and he will reward us as we diligently seek him, as we embrace the process of loving him and making him our Lord. And thank God that he looks at the heart and he has a lot of grace for all of us to mess up from time to time. 
I'm not saying, I'm not one of them. Oh, I got, I got to keep moving. Stay, stay with me. I'm going to cover everything in about 20 minutes. Romans 2, 4, it says God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the preacher up here preaching hellfire and brimstone. It's, re, it's, it's, it's us falling in love with God and God's kindness. I'm always drawn toward people who are kind to me. And I want to bless them because they're kind to me rather than those who are always condemning to me. I think the church has got it wrong in a lot of ways because Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved because of God's love and his compassion. We are drawn to him and we're like, that's the kind of God I want to serve. That's the kind of God that I want to fall in love with and be my savior. So to be unresponsive to God's grace is to settle for life without love. So in China, the people desired, desired for security from the barbaric hordes of the north. So they built the Great Wall of China. And this wall was so high that they knew no one could climb over it. And it was so thick that they knew nobody could break it down. So they settled back in there and enjoyed their security. However... In the first 100 years, do we have a picture of that wall? I know, I think we got one, but I'm maybe not sure. <laughs> you all seen it anyway. <laughs> In the first 100 years, nobody climbed over it and nobody broke through it. But they were attacked three times in 100 years. Do you know how they were attacked? The gatekeeper. They bribed the gatekeeper. <laughs> and they marched right through the gates. Listen to me. No matter how strong a nation's physical defenses, if that nation does not have people of integrity at the gate, those defenses are useless. Amen. So it's real easy to criticize our nation But really, instead of emphasizing so much about the wall on the border, I would say the wall is no better than the gatekeeper. Amen. Several years ago, Dan Early conducted a massive study involving 30,000 college students to try to understand why some people lie and why they cheat and why they steal and Early and his team went to college campuses all over the world and offered to pay students for every math puzzle that they could solve in five minutes. At the end of the five minutes, the students were asked to grade their own papers. My kind of deal, right? <laughs> grade your own papers and shred them in the back of the room. Then the students stood in line and received money for every right answer. Yeah, right? What the students didn't know was that the shredder didn't actually shred the papers. <laughs> that way the researchers could check to see if they were telling the truth. Early found that on average students reported solving six problems when they 
had in fact only solved four problems. Surprise, surprise. He got roughly the same results no matter what country is in, United States, Europe, Turkey, Israel, China, other countries. After testing 30,000 people, listen to this, Early found that only 12, what he called big cheaters, compared to 18,000 small cheaters. Stay with me. The big cheaters stole a total of $150, while the small cheaters stole around $36,000, just one or two dollars at a time. Early concluded that most dishonesty happens among ordinary people who think themselves basically honest. But when added together, all of this dishonesty has a huge impact. God help us as men and women of God not to be big cheaters and not to be little cheaters. But let us be faithful to the word of God. You see, it's not the big cheaters who cause the most trouble. <laughs> I'm going to slow down here for a minute. It's not the psychopaths. It's not the criminals. It's the typical ordinary people who find ways to rationalize their own bad behavior. It's easy to talk about stupid people. Blatantly stupid people. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little cheaters who in the long run cause the most damage. So Matthew 25, 21, it says, if you're faithful in the little things, Jesus said, I'll put you in charge of many things. So if we want a strong country, a strong family, a strong nation, must be faithful. The second thing that the two people that Nehemiah put in charge, they feared God. They have a, had a reverent respect. We're not talking about a fearful respect. We're talking about a reverent respect. <clears throat> God's not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. I'm going to tell you something. We have to respect, if we are God's people and God's children, when even the, 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 the people who translated the Bible, when they was writing the scripture, the, the, the old Jewish priests, they, they, would, they would write the name of God, and then they would, before they wrote the name of God, they would go get cleaned up and take a shower, and then they would write God's name out of reverence. Now, that's kind of legalistic, but I think we've gone to the other side of the pendulum. And we just use God's name however we choose to use it. When you say, oh, my God. Oh, man, I'm meddling now. You are calling on God. Don't use his name in vain or just flippantly. When you say the name of God, when you say the name of Jesus, I just want to challenge you to have honor for his name, have honor for who he is, because he is the creator of this universe. He is the only God that ever was and the only God that will ever be, and we must have reverence. God, bring reverence back into the church for the name of God. So, 
He said he found, Nehemiah found faithful men, but more God-fearing men than many. I love the part than many. Don't you all, does that kind of let y'all, let us all in the deal? It's like, they weren't perfect guys that Nehemiah found, but they were better than most of them. We must be faithful in the small things to be sure, but we must be faithful for the right reason. The problem is too many people treat God like the the geek squad. (laughs) Y'all, there's (laughs) there. That's Best Buy's technical experts who will fix your computer, your cell phone, your gaming device. They proudly declare, we're geeky, yes, but we, are all, we also know what you're going through. Because nobody is more into technology than we are. So when you have a problem, just give the geek squad a call. They'll fix your problems, and then they'll just leave you alone. I cannot tell you how many people I've prayed with when they were going through big problems in their lives. And then after the problem got solved, they were nowhere to be found. Like the geek squad. We'll fix it, and then we'll leave you alone. Well, God, we just, we want, we just want you to fix, but then we're good. We'll, we'll be back when we, when, when we break again. Okay, I'll move on. Oswald Chamber was really right when he said years ago that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. There's a lot of fear in our nation today. And the reason fear has gripped our nation is because there's a lack of fear for God. Because when you fear God, you won't fear anything else. I love that. The third thing is make sure you're in the family. Be faithful, fear God. Make sure you're in the family of God. John 10, 1, it says, Very, very, very truly I say, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. You see, there's a respectful way to come into the kingdom of God, our nation, our home. Let's get more respect in our nation by representing God well. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone open. The the thing that I think is important for all of us to understand is that God has given each one of us authority over our own life. In in our nation today, I know y'all know this, so I might as well talk about the elephant in the wall. In the wall. (laughs) In the room. We're talking about the wall on the border, and everybody, everybody wants to talk about the wall on the border. And some are for it, some are against it, some, you know I mean? It's just like, there's just a lot of, to, to me, there's a lot of ramifications. I think it's something that should have been fixed decades ago by the Republicans and the Democrats, because this is not something that just happened in the last eight years. It's been ongoing for decades. Uh, my point is, is that you have authority over your own body. 
and over your own life. You can build a wall and say, God, I don't want you in it. Or you can have a, a, a gate and open your gate. Jesus put it this way. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why does he knock? Because you have authority to open the door and let him in. Should you choose not to open the door, he's not going to bust the door down. He's not going to climb over. He's not going to try to break through the gate because he honors the authority that he gave you. Everybody has authority. And that's the reason we're all about voting is because voting says I am accepting the authority that I have and I'm going to operate under the authority that we have been given authority because last I heard it was a nation of the people by the people and for the people. Now we want to make it, (laughs) this is not easy to say because I know we might not like it. We want to be a nation of me, by me, and for me. And that's no way to run a nation. When we make it about us, we're saying, God, and what that is, that's that's a narcissistic, egotistic, uh, prideful way to live your life. When we feel entitled to everything. Now, many of us were like, the government... We give the government the authority that we really need to give, let God have. Because if they can print more money and give us more, what what was it when they gave us all that money? What was it? Stimulus Stimulus checks. Who didn't like that, right? Free money. But it's not really free. You was just paying yourself. Duh. But the problem is, is that our government wants to take more authority than what they, what God really wants them to have. And this needs to be, get back to moral, biblical principles where it's not about me, of me, by me, for me, but it's all about God, of him, by him, and for him. And when we make it about God, then God puts his supernatural hand on a nation and he blesses the nation because we've made it all about him. We take away that and we say, God, we want to put a gate up for ourselves because each one of us as individuals, we run the nation because the nation is made up of individual people who make decisions to live a moral life for God or to be immoral. And when we give God his rightful place and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as a nation, then the nation that blesses God, God will bless. God help the church to rise up and bless him. I'm sorry if I get, no, I'm not. (laughs) I was going to apologize for a minute, but I decided not to. I do get excited about this though. So they had a whole list of people. They had a whole list of people on down there, and, and I could have somebody come up and read that for us, but it'd take us another hour or so. They had a list of people that were the lineage in the tribes of, of Israel that they could come back into the city because it was important for them to know who belonged in the city. God says that 
if we accept him as our personal savior, that there will be a new name written down in glory. <laughs> and he said that that name that God will call our name and that we will be invited into his kingdom if we'll take care of the kingdom that we've been blessed with. Ooh, that makes me excited. You see, if any imposters became permanent residents, they could undermine the city's defense from within and cause harm to its citizens to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me tell you something. The immorality of our nation, we has, our nation has been infiltrated by immorality. And I'm not saying that we take out the immoral people. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is love them enough to where they will see Jesus in you and they will want to come under the blessings of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Too much talk about the wall and very few really focus on the gatekeeper. First, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. My son, Caleb, when he was about five years old, I was teaching him how to rope. And we were, we were rope, and I was teaching him how to swing the rope. He got to swing in the rope right, and he roped the dummy, the little, little plastic horn steer we got, and he roped it. He walked up, and he took the rope off of it, and he went over and sat down. And I said, Caleb, aren't you going to practice some more? You know what he said? I already know how. The closer I get to God and the more I live around God, the more I realize I need to get closer to God and I need to practice being a Christian more. Because the better I get at it, the more I realize I need to get better at it. That I haven't got it figured out yet. True faith always expresses itself in obedience. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. The strength of a nation and the strength of a church, the strength of a family, the strength of its people really are its people. Walls don't do any good unless the people have the moral integrity to take care of the gate. It's an uphill battle to do things the way God's asked us to do it. Y'all with me? In other words, it's not easy. I would love for, I'd love for uh, our walk with God to be like easy. But it's not easy. Years ago, some of y'all heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, I, when we was rodeoing full time, I had really a nice horse. I bought this horse. This horse used to belong to world champion named Roy Cooper. Uh, this horse's picture was on the cover of the Western Horseman magazine that Roy Cooper come out with, How to, Ro How to Win by Roy Cooper years ago. 
But he was a great horse. Everybody in the rodeo world knew this horse. And toward the latter years of this horse's life, I was able to own him and, and rodeo off of him. And uh, just a great horse. At that point in time, I was the uh, general manager for the Fellowship of Christian Cowboys. And we had a retreat up in the mountains. We went up to the retreat, had another guy preaching. And I was sitting in the back trying to help run everything. And the, the, the preacher was preaching about the will of God. Is there anybody interested in knowing what God's will is for your life? And I, I'm just like, anytime I can hear a sermon about me knowing what God wants me to do, I'm all about it. So I was all ears and everything, and I was just sucking it all in. And he was praying about God. He was preaching about God's will. And God spoke to my heart. This horse's name, the, the, the name of the horse that I had, his name was L.A. And God spoke to my heart very vividly. And he said, uh, because I had let a friend of mine borrow him because his horse got, horse's leg got broke out in the pasture. And he didn't have a horse. And he was going to Casper for roping. And, and I just let him borrow him because I was going to the retreat. So Mike had him, had L.A., in uh, Casper, Wyoming. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, Randy, I want you to give L.A. to Mike. Oh. You know, I was like, <sighs> is there anybody here that the preacher says something at some point in time and you got up and left? Raise your hand, it'd be good for you. Uh, nobody wants to admit it. <laughs> I, I didn't want to hear it. That was the first time I'd ever got up in my life and walked out. Because I didn't want to hear it. I walked out, went to a cabin that I was staying in. I sat in the corner, powdered. And argued with God. I'm sure none of y'all ever done that either, right? About why I sh shouldn't have to give L.A. to Mike. And... Uh, God reminded me that, that Mike's sisters, Mike's wife's sister had been killed in a car wreck. And Mike's wife's sister, Mike's wife needed help, needed healing. And the whole family needed to know. And uh, so I told, told the Lord, after I talked, argued with him for a while, I said, Lord, I said, I'll do it. But I, I really do feel like I need to know why. <laughs> I don't give up easy. <laughs> and he spoke to my heart. and He said, I have a message for Mike and Kathy. And I want you to, I've chosen you to give that message to Mike and Kathy when you give them that horse. And I said, well, what is it? He said, when you give them that lead rope and you give them that horse, you tell them that I am a loving and a giving God. And I gave them the horse and I gave them the message that next year, Mike's wife got baptized, Mike's brothers got baptized, Mike's mom got baptized, Mike's mom's best friend and her son got baptized as a parcel, as a result of just giving that horse away.
what I want to tell you is, is that the part of my argument with God is that I had a practice horse and I told God, I'll just give him my practice horse. <laughs> How about that? I want everybody here to remember this part. God deserves our best. And he won't settle for anything less than our best. And you are God's best. He wants you. He doesn't want your stuff. He's got plenty of stuff. He values you. He didn't die on the cross for your stuff. And this is what God reminded me of when I was getting this sermon together. He said that when I give I give, I give my best. Said when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son for God so loved the world that he gave his best, his only begotten son, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you something, my friend. We need to hear that day in and day out that God will give his best and he expects nothing less from us. That's all I got. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for loving us. Help us, oh Lord. To understand that only you, Jesus, only you can satisfy our soul. Only you can cleanse our hearts, make us whole. I thank you, Lord, that you gave your life so that we could have eternal life. I thank you, Father, that you gave your son so that we could understand what love, what true love really is. I thank you, Lord, that you gave your son so that we could understand what true security is and what living in the family of God is like and the blessing of walking in the light as you shed that light in our path, that we don't have to worry about our salvation. We don't have to worry about whether we're living good enough or not good enough, but that our heart is a heart for you and we have determined in our hearts to follow you. Lord, help us to be those types of individuals that Nehemiah chose whenever he chose Hananiah and Hananiah, Lord, that they, they, were, they feared you, they, they, they believed you and, and they wanted to be a part of your family and part of your kingdom. Lord, help us, oh God, to be faithful. In Jesus' name. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift that God has given to mankind is the gift to be able to accept him, like we preached before, to, to open the door of your heart and allow Jesus to come into your life. You are the gatekeeper of your own life, not your mom or your daddy or anybody else. Nobody else can speak for you on this. This is your own personal decision, whether you accept him as your savior or not. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, you must be born again. What that means is, is that we come into the kingdom of God and it's not just about our physical existence. It's about our spiritual eternal existence. That's the born again, being born of the spirit instead of being just born of the flesh. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him. Simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody, preacher, that's me. 
I need Jesus in my heart. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody? Yep, thank you, man. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Anybody else? Raise your hand. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. I'm telling you, this is the greatest thing. Leave, leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it, please. Yep, thank you. Thank you back in the back. Yeah, thank you. I'm so proud of you guys. Anybody else? It's a gift of God. The Bible says it's a gift of God, not of works. It's not that we work to get good. We just accept his goodness in us. Such a privilege. Anybody else? Anybody else? Man, I... If you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Come up and let me pray with you. Come back in the back. Come on up here and let me pray with you. I'm so, so honored to have you guys. Yeah. My goodness. Thank you, heart. Tell me your name again. Brianna. Brianna. Thank you so much. We got these guys coming. One of the greatest privileges of living for God is that when we leave here, God doesn't stay in the building. He goes with us. And he said he'd never leave us and he'd never forsake us. He'd be a friend that sticks even closer than a brother. Bless you, my friend. Look at you. I want to give my own life away. Started you. There you go. There you go. That's right. How are you? I'm proud of you, my friend. Look here. Okay, so here's how it goes. I want to help you pray. And it, it's, it's, it's a decision that you make with your mouth, but also in your heart. Says, so believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, but believe in your heart that God's alive. He, he's not, this isn't dependent on our goodness, it's dependent on his goodness and his sacrifice. So I want to help you pray. Can we do that? Y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now look here, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. We can't help you if you don't show up. The hardest thing you'll do is take, we talked about habits earlier. We all have bad habits, we all have good habits. Let the good habits win and make some new good habits. The closer you get to God, reading your reading your Bible will help you get closer to Him because you'll know more about Him. You get hungry inside to know Him better. Then, then you just get closer to him and it helps you and it makes you stronger spiritually. Yeah, I mean like uh, we're kind of old, but we get we get weaker physically, but we get stronger spiritually. That's God's plan for us. I'm proud of you guys. Don't look back. Don't let the sins of your past rob you of the blessings of your future. Okay? Is that a deal? Okay. Look here. Go visit with these guys for just a second. I'm so proud of you guys. Bless you. So proud of y'all. Bless you. Stand with me, please.
I think we all need little check marks in our lives to where we uh, draw the line in the sand and say, you know what? This day I made a decision to walk this way. I think it's important for us to understand that if there's, there's obstacles in our path from us having total faith and confidence in God or really having a reverence for God or even like we said before, we got to know we're in the family of God. And whenever, whenever I uh, was asking if somebody wanted to accept Jesus, I know there's a, I know there's a couple more y'all out there I know you're there. And, and you're contemplating whether you should accept Jesus as your Savior. I'm just going to tell you something. That it's the smartest move you'll ever make in your life. Because it's the greatest gift you'll ever give to yourself. That God could give to you. And the, it's the gift of relationship with your Creator. You, don't ever, you won't ever know yourself until you know Jesus. Because He made you. We can just sit down and let me preach a little bit more, but we got it. Some more people. How many need to get closer to God? Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Lord, bless your people today. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you in every area of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would uh, keep us clean and pure in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our souls, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for these that come up and gave their lives to you. Lord, I pray for those today who are contemplating. might be somebody online, oh God. I pray that you would just bless them with the peace and help them to accept you as as their personal Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, come back next week, but come at 1130 or 7 o'clock on Monday night. Got our prayer team for you. God bless you. We love you.